0: A moment's prayer before the sermon, let us pray. May the words that I speak now, the thoughts and the feelings that we all now experience, be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. What a wonderful day. What a magnificent achievement. What a beautiful place we have in which to worship God, serve God and serve our local community. What a wonderful place we had and what a wonderful place we now have. One of the interesting things about my presidential travels was the number of times I Open new churches or rededicated churches which have had major refurbishments. In one particular town, I was driven to the church which I was going to share a significant anniversary with. Uh, it was 150 years old. And I drove in and I thought, this place doesn't look 150 years old, it looks barely 10 years old. So I went inside and started nosing around, because I'm like that, and found people to tell me, and the history on boards of the place, which said the place had been invented in a rapidly growing industrial area and suburb of a city, as industry had grown up there, and they'd built a church to serve the people living in that area. And then four times in a hundred years, They rebuilt it because the community changed, because the needs of the people changed, because what they needed to be able to worship God properly in that place changed. They needed to stay there, but they rebuilt it. And actually, when you look carefully, you could see bits of the old building still there, and yet it all looked new. It was old and new all in one. It was refreshed. It was made a proper vehicle for people to worship and serve God in, to serve the present age. And they've done that again and again. The Methodist genius is to be what we call a tabernacling people. We're probably much happier with the idea of the children of Israel moving through the wilderness, carrying their symbols of God with them, pitching their tent and using a tent in which to worship than we are with great big stone temples and cathedrals. I know we have central halls, but that's another story. (laughs) We're probably happier with the tabernacle people, which means we do need to refresh and renew. And the great thing here, as we are today, is that this is recognisably the building that we've inherited. The pews that were here have been lovingly and carefully, the wood has been taken and the cupboards and the other furnishings have been made out of them. The memories are still here, the things are still here, they've been refreshed and renewed And they're there now for the Spirit of God to make use of. In the Old Testament reading that you heard a few minutes ago, King Solomon stands in the temple that's just been built. Interestingly, it wasn't, in a sense, his project he owns that it was his father David who had first thought that this tabernacling wandering people as they settled in the land and became a state as they began to develop institutions and settled institutions living in urban settings as well as rural settings and gradually ceasing to be nomadic that they needed slightly more fixed and permanent buildings in which to worship God through which God could be served and David had had this vision of building a temple but it was Solomon his successor who built it and after Solomon they tinkered with it from time to time and they rebuilt it from time to time And even in the time of Jesus, it was being massively rebuilt by Herod. Same temple, same place. But adapted, made different in each generation. And Solomon recognises this huge achievement of this temple. But he begins, you notice by saying, you, God, are so much bigger and more important than anything we can build. One of the great dangers of actually having objects which point us towards God, and as human beings, we need physical things that we can touch, that we can look at, that we can hear, that we can sense. We need those physical things to be able to get a sense of the invisible God. But one of, th- so we have buildings, we have pictures, we use camels, we do all sorts of things. We have hymns, we listen to the Bible, we say prayers. We have all sorts of things to point us towards God, to enable us to relate to God. But God is always so much bigger than any of the things we use to point us towards God. And I suppose one of the great dangers for Protestant and for Methodist Protestant Christians, as much as any Catholics or Orthodox that our ancestors criticized in the past for having statues, and the Protestants called them idols, you try meddling with plaques in a church we too can fall into the trap of making the thing that points us to God more important than the God to which it points us Solomon in his prayer Recognizes the hugeness of God, that God transcends even this temple. We have here a wonderful resource to help us worship God. We can use it in many different ways, appropriate to whatever it is we're trying to achieve. It will not always, on a Sunday, look like this. The way we will distribute communion today (coughs) is appropriate to this setting and this number of people. But it won't always look like this. We shall always have good music, but we won't always have a choir and a band up there. We have the ability to do things that are appropriate to what it is we need to do. Today, symbolically and importantly, we have the sense of the font out there in the foyer. Baptism signifies entry into the church. We enter the church... You came past the font as you came in. We come on in, we come closer to God, and we gather around the Word of God, which is why the lectern for the Bible readings and some of the prayers are there in the middle of us. And you come on, you're led on, you move on to gather around the table of the Lord. and you're looking on towards the heavenly choir and musicians whose earthly representatives are here (laughs) before us. We have a beautiful resource for worship. But we also have a wonderful resource for serving the community. If you love God And worshipping God is about loving God. If you love God, you find yourself willy-nilly, unless you're really cussed, you find yourself willy-nilly being drawn into loving what God loves. And what God loves is not just us, but the rest of the world, including the people who don't come to churches or don't come to formal worship services on a Sunday. And this space can serve God's love for other people. We have hall buildings which are used and overused. You can't find a spare moment in them. In a sense here, we don't need to go out on mission to the community. We need to come to our own buildings because they're here already. During the week. And this space could be used to serve the community, music, drama, things that need larger spaces. But also it's a space which is open so that even as community groups use it, they may catch a sense of the God who worship here. So I hope that during the week when you get the opportunity You'll be able to look through the glass doors. You'll be able to come in and just say a quick prayer. Because believe me, people who come into church buildings, even if they're not religious, can often sense whether it's a prayed-in place or not. Some places have an atmosphere about them. This building has a sense of being a prayed-in, worshipped in place I sense it every time I come in it's been prayed in and worshipped in in the past it's prayed in and worshipped in in the present we need to honour that and keep on praying in it worshipping in it into the future and people will sense it In one of the four quartets, that really difficult poet, T.S. Eliot, said something which is actually very simple, so simple it's quite difficult, if you see what I mean. He was talking about a chapel at a place called Little Gidding. And he said, when you come in, he said, and then the quotation begins, you're not here to verify, instruct yourself or inform curiosity, or carry report. You're here to kneel where prayer has been valid. This is, and has been, a praying place. Let's keep it that way. Let's keep it that way as we also open it up For other people who don't necessarily come here to pray, to come into, let's allow them to catch the atmosphere as we serve their needs. Because we're dedicating a building here today and that's really important. We're thanking God for all the hard work that's gone into making this what it now is. All the careful and sensitive building on what was here before. All the careful refashioning and refurbishing. All the skill of the contractors and the craftsmen. That's gone into this. The hours people have spent thinking it through, praying it through, being incredibly sensitive and careful. We thank God for that. But we can't now sit back and say, Well, we're all right now. Having got the building, we need to use it. There's two understandings of church one is buildings, and the other is people. Which do you think is more important to God? Actually, they're both important. But the deep understanding of church is people, the body of Christ in a particular place. In the story you heard from Luke's Gospel, you heard Jesus going to a synagogue, to a place of worship and discussion, a place where people could focus on God. And the scriptures are read, as you've heard. And he preaches the most shattering single-sentence sermon of all time. He says, today in your presence, what the Word of God has said, that you've just heard, it's all real. It's all come true. What was the word of God had just been read? It was about people being released from what holds them captive and what oppresses them, what cages them in. It was about people suddenly being able to see clearly. It was about people being released in their human need and in their relationship, about people being free to become fully people. And the promise of God that that would happen, that that was possible. Jesus says, as we read this scripture and in my presence, this is now real. And the scriptures are full of things. The Old Testament and the New Testament are full of things about take care for those who are orphaned. Take care of those who are widowed. Take care of the sick. Take care of the alien, the refugee in the land. Care for other people. And if we worship God in this place, this place needs to be somewhere where that love for other people is made real as we offer hospitality and as we seek to engage with Because if Jesus said it was true and real, when he was present, and he is present with us, and we read the scriptures, it needs to become true through us as well. So what we're dedicating today is a wonderful building. And a wonderful example of the body of Christ, ourselves. For the service not just of ourselves, for the glory not just of ourselves, but for the service and glory of God and the world round about us that God loves. And that's why. I want to leave you with a single sentence out of Paul's first letter to Corinthians, chapter three and verse 16. And there it is on the screen. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Let's thank God all that is past and praise God for all that's to come as the old hymn put it Amen